0: the question in my mind is how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business with so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business how do you get it right the first time i want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch my name is john north and this is the startup secrets for Entrepreneurs show join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business This episode is sponsored by volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. You're listening to the Startup Secret Service for Entrepreneurs and I'm your host, John North. My mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference and navigate the messy world of startups and, and relaunch. My very special guest today is Anthony Taylor, who's the managing partner and founder of Vancouver-based um, business called SME Strategy. So welcome, Anthony, to the show.
1: How you doing, John? Great to be here.
0: Cool. All right. So let's just stick in your little bio a little bit because it's quite interesting. We've said a bit of a chat before. Um, so you basically... Um, let me say you've the, been the university you've uh, let's say you had a restaurant for the looks of it you had um you've had uh, written two books you've basically been involved in consulting and you, i think you said you had a coffee coffee shops and stuff like that so you've had a pretty wide sort of range of kind of business experience which is good i think because it you know you understand people right that's the first thing that comes in business i think you need to understand people <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, my b- job, one of my jobs before I was full-time in my consulting business was I was a waiter, it's sort of a, not a career waiter, but a waiter in in fancy restaurants and bars. So I get to see a lot of people and believe it or not, my job now is centered around people, listening to them, hearing them, trying to figure out where they want to go. So it's
0: yeah, it's funny. The, trouble sometimes you, the only problem I think sometimes with people is they don't really know what they want, right? So you're sort of like thinking, oh, ask them what they want, but they don't actually know what they want. <laughs>
1: Well, that, that's why I'm in business. I help yeah. people figure out where they want to go and how to get there. So it's yeah. uh, it's a good gig.
0: Yeah, that oh, sounds good. All right, so I'm gonna ask you some questions and um, and we'll see how we go with the with your answers. Now so I just to switch this out too. Okay, cool. All right, so, where did you, how did you get started in in um, being an entrepreneur? So, I think I think in some respects, I don't know whether entrepreneurs are born, but certainly soon they formed, right? And most of the time when I talk to an entrepreneur, they usually got it in by accident. Like they basically, you know, suddenly they were doing what, like you probably start up as a waiter. And when you're a waiter, you never thought you're going to be an entrepreneur, right?
1: <laughs> well, my first foray into entrepreneurship was selling uh, like Kool Aid at a bus stop next to my house. Right. So, when people would get off at the bus, then I would sell Kool Aid. And then I upgraded to where there was a golf course close to one of my friend's house. And, uh, by the 15th hole, uh, there was like a fence. And so like just on one side of the fence was the 15th hole. On the other side of the fence, my friend and I were pouring pop by the glass for like 50 cents. Um, and so not that we were like sort of struggling by any means, but I just appreciated just you know being able to buy my own stuff. Uh, I d- had a newspaper route at 9. Uh, my first job was at 14. I had two jobs by 16. And then I just like knew I wanted to do my own thing. So that's sort of what, yeah. what got me started on, on the journey.
0: It's pretty cool. I mean, I wrote one of my books, I wrote about the fact that I used to sell chook eggs, like chicken eggs when I was a kid. Um, and oh, cool. um, yeah, so out of because my mother owned a post office, um, like a uh, like a back in the day, it was like an unofficial post office. So we actually did the we had the uh, party line where people could dial in and actually connect them and all sorts of things when you push the buttons all sort of stuff. I was i was pretty young then, so I'm not that old, but um, you know, what I mean, so basically to sell the chicken eggs over the counter to all the people that came in, and, and then at one point my mom said, I oh, know you can't be selling these eggs and not making putting any money into the feed and everything for the chickens. You know, so it's like so I shut the business down because I didn't want want to make hundred percent profit i wasn't about paying paying any of it out
1: <laughs> cut into your margins that's yeah tough. cut into my margin
0: right and so it's like, and i think um you know i think that's the thing i think there's a there's a sort of a natural talent to it so in terms of um what you've done so you basically what did you move from you sort of you said you had some coffee shops and stuff what, what was your first step after sort of the waitership as such like obviously coffee shops had you had some ideas i suppose from being a waiter
1: uh, so in order of operations was, uh, I was a bartender. Then I put on rock concerts, mm-hmm. uh, for like seven years. Um, and then I stopped doing that after my, the, my main client basically got as big as they could get. Um, I had an ESL school that I bought into the ESL school closed after, uh, 2007, like the economic crash it wasn't great yeah. for travel. Screwed everybody uh, then, up. <laughs> yeah, wasn't ideal. And then uh, coffee shops to sort of keep the business going. Uh, it was sort of bad money after good, um, mm. which was not the best idea. Good learning uh, lesson we for
0: entrepreneurs, have... isn't it? Like how much do you throw something out before he
1: actually doesn't. <laughs> absolutely and Mm -hmm. then uh 2010 we had the olympics in vancouver so in 2009 i started a nightlife directory that was half in japanese and half in english called happening which is a pun for any half japanese people um and then uh then i turned that into a website called to do Vancouver. And then I had a wine directory because I like drinking wine and I just made like a directory, but then directory websites were dead by like 2014.
0: So yeah, they didn't last that long, did they? Because <laughs> the big guys beat everybody out then at that point, they realized it was a chance to, you know, could have an easy yeah, Go-
1: Google kind of kicked everybody's ass. Yeah, but here yeah. we are. And then now uh, SME strategy consulting uh, started off me kind of doing consulting and business plans for people and then evolved into like corporate strategy facilitation.
0: Gotcha. It Was actually interesting. I had someone message me on, on LinkedIn the other day and says, "Oh, how's the pandemic treating you?" And I said, "This isn't my first rodeo." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I don't think you get unscathed through things. So, I, you know, like in Australia, there was a around about the nineteen nineties two thousand, there was a whole bunch of and I think I was one of them entrepreneurs that got completely wiped out between you know, um, you know, the, the the Olympics was here. I think post Olympics is always bad for a city. I think they always suffer badly from it. Um, financially, Sydney really suffered, and so a lot of these guys got screwed up in that period. So I think at the end of the day, you got to be careful that um, you know you're ready for that sort of thing, right? You can't expect a, a, a business to run smoothly and nothing ever go wrong, um, because that's not okay. going to be the case.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody expected a global pandemic at this point, but yeah. yes, you you know you got to prepare for everything, and I think it'll be interesting seeing everybody that comes out of this you know, in ten years the next blip, the people yep. that are like that were COVID ready, like everybody yep. will have a better contingency plan or should. Should have one in the
0: first place. Yeah. And I think um I think most people like it's interesting, I think, when you look at small business and you and you and they sort of have these newspaper reports where everyone these small businesses have been wiped out and stuff like that. But I think underpinning that is the resilience of small business and the fact that they will they would have worked their way out of that. They would have found a way to survive if they could. And yeah. you know oh, for sure. You know, and I think that's the that's the real story about, you know, the fact that, you know, no matter what happens, they'll figure out a way. Um, but I think if you're, if you're in the restaurant business or something like that, so that sort of full-on retail business, you would have had really struggled to stay, and stay in business when you can't actually see anybody.
1: I, I found through COVID about half the businesses did even better and half did worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think I guess that as you say that's a good it's a good sort of training school and having a, a, a plan. So when you talk about strategy, and I think I'm sort of big on strategy because I think most people don't spend enough time thinking about it. It's the same uh, principle. Like when you talked about your books, actually, is that we when we do book publishing, we spend a lot of time on title. And I think that strategy around that title, people spend very little time. They come up with the first title of the book they think of, and that's the end of it, right? And I think that's to a degree, business can be the same thing, right? They, they sort of come up with a good idea, fall in love with it, and then somehow make the strategy fit the, the idea that they had, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a little bit in an in a era like a book, it's less easy to pivot to mm-hmm. make like smaller changes. I find the biggest thing, you know, especially since it's the startup secret show for entrepreneurs, You know product market fit being that first thing and so you can like go iteratively 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 Uh, i you know on thursday and when you play this it'll be passed i'm putting on a diversity and inclusion summit Mm -hmm. i've never done it before my business isn't really events uh and then i'm like oh shit like maybe i didn't do this right like maybe i should have had a different title for the event maybe i should have priced it differently maybe i should have you know I. and but i got all the promotion i'm getting tons of promotion less tickets than i want mm-hmm. and it's just interesting how like in certain businesses you don't have the opportunity to make those micro adjustments i think entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is really like the good ones micro adjust quickly yeah. um and with a book it's very hard to change the title because well once it's out there but i i've had multiple graphics and say hey which title do you like best and somebody were mm-hmm. like nope i don't like that one and i said all right new title then and, and that i think that's worked
0: Exactly. I actually did a summit a few years ago, <laughs> and then it killed me. Um, basically, because I think what happens is you don't realize how much work's in it. Um, yeah. You know, like, it, it's like, it gets things that, oh, a, particularly you've got business partners that kind of, like, get them to do stuff as well. So I think, um, and, and I spoke to someone the other day, we're about to start a new marketing campaign for someone, and I said, oh, we're basically looking to fail here. I really want to go and, and sort of approach a market and see what people say no to, and why they say no, because I think... If you go on the concept like I'm just going to play with this, and obviously with the summit, you know you've never done one before, so you're going to look back and think, oh gee, I could have done this better. But the reality is, you'll do the best you can with what you've got, and yeah. And so I think at the end of the day, like I'm looking at that, thinking, thinking, well, let's fa- let's plan to fail here so that we can basically learn from it. Not go in and have this optimistic kind of approach to it, thinking we're going to get all these customers. Let's let's learn what they don't like, and then then re-pitch it. And I think that's yep. the thing with small businesses, they tend to not think they're gonna get it right the first time and they don't have to muck with it. But no. <laughs> it I think out.
1: and in this case, cause I've done a lot of stuff, I failed more than, I won't say more than anybody, but I've failed a lot more times than I've succeeded. In this case, what I think I take a uh, solace in and I'm like, kind of like, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited for it, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, dis- I'm disappointed by the outcome. Yep. What I'm not disappointed about was the effort. And mm-hmm. I think as an entrepreneur, the thing that really, if if I get down, it's because I underperform to what I knew I could do. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I gave it 100%, 100%, day in, day out, like everything. I made the plan, I worked the plan, and I got the results. And there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I got, I'm going to get what I'm going to get.
0: And it's yeah. going to be fucking awesome. Pardon my yeah. language. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. doesn't <laughs> kind if Apple doesn't want. You get, you get better <laughs> that one, yeah. But um, I think, yeah, I think that's right. And I think the thing too here is that, you know, you really can't expect to know what's going to happen anyway in that situation. And I think writing a book, doing a summit, doing those things where you've got a deadline and it's amazing what you get done um, on a deadline. You know, if you said, you know, other people say, look, you've got 10, you know, you got five years to put this summit on. You can imagine the most of the work will get done in the last two months, <laughs> right? And I think in the summit, it's like an immovable date. You've got to get it done. It's amazing how much work you can get when you put yourself under pressure, I think. And Well, I was telling you about my construction and moving. And I said, hey, I'm booking the movers to get in. The last
1: six days, we've done more work than we have in the past six months. So I love setting myself those mm-hmm. deadlines for whatever it is. So, you know, when we talk about planning, instead of doing a three year plan or a one year plan, like try to do a one month plan or a one week plan, because yeah. then you'll say, okay, I just need to get like this thing off the line. And if I do that, that'll be the win. But a lot of smaller steps is better than the big test step that you might never take.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem is if you sit there and say, okay, well, I'm going to get something achieved. And you know, I think Tony Robbins is the, I think it's the best way I've ever said it. You know, people, Overestimate what they can get done in a day, but underestimate what they can get done in ten years, right? And I think that's the danger: is that you know, day by day, if you're not getting towards it, and, and the nice thing about having a deadline is you've got to get there. You've got no choice unless unless this doesn't show up. So, so what's the best piece of advice you've probably ever ever given in terms of, of let's say strategy and, and what you're doing now? Best, I've ever, best piece I've ever given. My goodness, yeah. i let I say I've given a, a wealth of good advice. Um, Probably didn't take question? it, did they? <laughs> sometimes yeah. you think free advice is worth every cent sometimes.
1: <laughs> that's why I, I charge a good amount. Yeah. Know, um, what would I say? I think the biggest thing that I would tell people, well, A, love what you do. That I think that's critical mm. uh, because if you don't, Love what you do. The work is going to be a lot harder. Whether that means your career, or whether that means a job, or whether that means a volunteer thing, or whether that means like try to love what you do and recognize it's a choice. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you know, when we talk strategy, is about get really clear about where you're going. You know, if you don't know where you're going, how are you ever going to get there? So, you know, for the young entrepreneurs here, uh, you know, like where do you want to be in five, 10 years? I'm in the middle of a 20 year strategic plan. That's where my head is at. Mm -hmm. I said, what's I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be a bartender because I like being bartenders. And then I said, okay, then I'm going to have a consulting business because you can get paid good money there. Mm -hmm. But when I started my business, I said 20 year plan. So I'm not fussed because things aren't happening tomorrow or the next day because Mm -hmm. it takes 20 years.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'll come back on the show in 10 years and you can say, Anthony, how's your plan going? And I'll tell you if it you know, worked out or not, but be clear about where you wanna go, I think is the number one. Um, and how you, act, like what it means to get there. Everything else, the how will fall into place as long as you're clear about where you're going and what it means to succeed there.
0: Yeah, and I think that I still was saying to a lot of business people, so if you don't have a plan, then who's got the plan and they, have they even included you in that plan, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so if you don't have a plan, then often, you know, you're stuck with someone else's plan. Um, and I think that happens particularly in, in, you know, as an employee-based scenario where people work for years and they think the you owner's know, got a plan for them, but they don't. And so I think at the end of the day, you've got to be careful. And and, and I think as you get older too, you realise that time is important, um, mm-hmm. but more important is, is the maximisation of what happens in that time than anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. So, um What's an ideal client for you like when you when you're looking at, and I guess we're talking about this whole scenario what's your best customer you said you do mostly do corporate work now or is it?
1: yeah so sme strategy stands for small to medium enterprise if you guys want to check us out smestrategy.net but uh, basically a ceo of a business that is like 10 to 100 million in revenue which i recognize is a large range Mm -hmm. uh, but typically there's kind of inflection points like 10 to 20 20 to 50 50 to 100 um and uh they are entrepreneurial they are people-driven, they want to create like a legacy, um, they wanna grow their business, they're coachable, and um, they see strategy as optimal. Um, and so that's the ideal kind of company, but they, they, entrepreneurial and care about people are the two most important characteristics for the clients that we succeed the best with. As in there are people who aren't entrepreneurial and aren't people focused that we still do great work, but they're not the ideal client. Um, we also work with uh, not-for-profit mission-based organizations. Um, uh, we did the uh, strategic plan for the Central Bank of Fiji. So um, not exactly a small to medium enterprise, but mm. that's who we help do with their plan.
0: And, and, it's, and it's cultural there too, because we used to, um, in a previous license, we used to sell accounting software. I sent one of my staff members to Fiji and, mm. and it's Fiji's time, Fiji time, they call it. And, and oh, yes. basically things don't move fast, right? And it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah.
1: Culturally, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty as a facilitator who leads meetings. I'm like, okay, try to get everything down as tight as possible. Mm. Um, but, you know, shout, shout out RBF. I hope you guys are awesome. Um, but uh, yes, no, it was, it was an amazing experience. The people there were uh, incredible. But yes, it's, there's diverse people that we work with all mm. over the world and they all fundamentally have the same challenge, which is no, no different than an entrepreneur's challenge exactly. they just have it at a different scale
0: yeah yeah well i think entrepreneurship is just a matter of zeros right depending on the size of business it's just zero so it's like the same problem <laughs> zeros on the end of the problem yep. i I'd like to probably think i should check out what the heart rate heart disease rates like in fiji because i reckon if, if, if stress is a motivator for heart disease i reckon those guys have got it nail because they never get stressed
1: <laughs> oh yeah i mean why would you it's beautiful out there but yes if you're on the, and that's probably it it's Uh, Another interesting lesson that my COO talks to me about, and he says that your deadlines are self-imposed, you know, for the most part, with the exception of the stuff that you say, hey, you're going to deliver to a client, which you kind of self-impose anyway, Mm. everything else is self-imposed. So why beat yourself up over it? you know you, like you're in control it's when so you can set those deadlines for yourself yeah. um, but I stress the person who stresses me out the most is me because I try to hold myself at a high level and if I don't mm. do something then I beat myself up which is not exactly. always great
0: and I think that I always used to say like and I, I don't know this might be from Tony Robinson I don't know but I used to say like whatever you say to yourself when you're alone is the worst possible the worst dangerous things Mm. <laughs> right and so uh, that self-talk is is really can destroy yourself yeah it's that whole thinking thing um i,
1: I saw uh anxiety is a conspiracy theory about yourself <laughs>
0: yeah, true, <laughs> and you know what other people think about is none of your business anyway right <laughs>
1: Their lives are so screwed up that they don't even worry about you. That's a a lesson that I tried to take in early is that you worry what people are judging. Their Mm. lives are so messed up that two seconds later, they forgot about you. But you, like you're the one who's going to mess yourself up more than anybody else. So forget. And that's the nice word of saying everybody else and just focus on yourself.
0: Do you want simple and effective ways to get started that don't cost a fortune in time and money? Discover the best steps for each strategy we teach and the most important areas to focus on. And even to connect with your best customers and grow an online community. Grab your free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at startupsecrets.show. Yeah, and I think that's it's that's true because I think that's the biggest problem is people kind of overthink what they're thinking because what they're thinking is they're thinking about how you think about them while you're thinking about it. It's like, it's, yeah. very, when you actually, dig into it psychology.
1: Oh, it's sick. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, so, um, so what's the future hold for you now? Like obviously coming, you know, a lot of businesses coming out of, out of this whole financial crisis, pandemic, all those sorts of things. Where do you see the future in consulting? Because I think it's a, a massively growth industry. And I think a lot of these, um, people that were, and, and they talk about the great resignation in, in um, the U S and stuff like that. And I think it's also, ha- I can see it happening here is that you've got a lot of people, you know, shifting into prob- probably entrepreneurship because they don't really have a choice um, because they might've had lost their jobs through the pandemic. So that then they found out that they actually prefer to stay where they are. My, my wife quit her job and went into another, an, into a full-time sort of entrepreneurship job because it was, you know, it's a great opportunity to do it. So where do you think that's moving in terms of the consulting businesses?
1: Um, the great resignation, I think is going to be very interesting. I think that there's going to be, uh, uh, interesting isn't really a word that says anything, but I'll explain more about it. Uh, great resignation. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, companies are still recovering in my opinion from COVID COVID related activities. Um, the people who are creating their own jobs, I think some of them are going to be very, very successful because the tools are out there, Mm. um, for that to happen. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens economically, like economic trends, like as interest rates and the stuff, volatility, and people start paying back that COVID stuff. I think Mm. the economy is going to tighten up, which is going to put more pressure on businesses. And then I think everything is kind of going to stabilize in terms of consulting. I think we're going to be as busy as ever, uh, mainly because, uh, the, dynamic work environment of how we work in person and how we work virtually and, and how is the new level of performance going to change? Teams are going to need to get rallied around that. And I think consumers are going to be very different in two or three years. Not that they're going to be different, but their needs are going to be different. And teams are going to need to rally around and adapt on that. I don't know what's the next thing. Mm -hmm. I don't really care, but (laughs) there's going to be something and it's going to change. It's not going to change the game, but it, people are going to have to react to it. If that me, if that makes sense.
0: And I think it's in some respects, it's a the next probably couple of years as an entrepreneur's um, play field Because at the end of the day, you know, you've got this kind of a lot of things have been reset, a lot of ideas have changed, uh, and and what I've noticed is some people, businesses, and some businesses are open to stuff that never were open to before. Mm. Um, like I look at like Qantas here, which is a is a. a, a um, airline industry um, are really badly affected by this and you know they've also become almost an affiliate <laughs> right mm-hmm. because they they realize got this massive database so they're selling you know insurance and medical insurance and all these other services to survive get through and when they realize they're leveraging their database and and whilst they used to do a little bit before their entire focus shifted to that because there was any way they can make any money. And, and so now they're open to those partnerships they probably weren't open to before. So I think in some cases, these corporates are more open to stuff than they were ever before. So for a small business to kind of leverage that, I think that's, a, that's an interesting world.
1: Yeah, I think they've said, or it's, it, it is true, I believe. I think the word, Mandarin word for crisis is the same as opportunity. And that like as you go and when your back is against the wall, like you will try anything. Mm. And so there's all of those opportunities there. And then the disruption in the market, and then this, you know, uh, what's it called not centralization, but businesses buying other businesses, that's going to happen. No. But around the entrepreneur world, the barrier to entry is so low. Mm. Like you have people on YouTube and TikTok, you know, the course world has always been there, but people selling stuff on YouTube, TikTok, OnlyFans, there's a whole lack of wealth being created.
0: Um, I just don't know where all the money's coming from. but that's yeah, you got to wonder, right? Like, um, like New South Wales started opening back up again just a, like a week ago, and within a week, the the shopping centers full, and people are spending mm-hmm. money. And you think, well, what? Where is this money coming from? Didn't they all lose their job? <laughs> you know? And
1: well, they, they, there's a they want to spend money. Like they haven't been able to spend money for seven months, and it's yeah. like, well, where did people put that money? But yeah, I'm with you
0: yeah and so they actually what yeah exactly so there's a pent-up demand to sort of have that money spent and i think that's the the challenge is that you know perception is not necessarily reality um mm. so yeah so um in terms of just talk a little bit about your books that you wrote because we didn't really get into them so what were they called again like you did tell me before but uh
1: so one is called i wish i knew entrepreneurships i made the hard way or entrepreneurship mistakes i learned the hard way so you don't have to mm-hmm. longest by line that's what i uh, I got
0: a long book title like that i could never remember so that's good the
1: the first one is supposed to be uh so alignment which is the uh, left brain creative and then the subtitle is the right brain it's very uh specific um oh no what did i say i wish i knew oh yeah i wish i knew is my first book the second one is called alignment, how to get your people strategy and culture on the same page. So first one is on entrepreneurships, all the things I messed up. Uh, the second one is on strategic planning and the process we follow to align teams and get people on the same page.
0: And, and I think that's an interesting thought I was sort of thought about before was that um, I think the biggest problems in business right now is that in the fact that this great resignation really signifies the fact that the business owner hasn't been looking after their staff and what they want. And to a degree, they haven't really focused on... They're focused on the money, particularly when this COVID stuff, you know, they would have been focused on trying to get the revenues in the door and staff took the back step. And so if they're not aligning their staff and leading their staff and and, and giving them some sort of future, then they're going to lose them and they're they're hard to replace.
1: I'd say it exacerbated what was already there. Mm. If you were an employer that prioritised your employees and you set up a good system and they stayed because you work together, you yeah. are going to be in a greater position. But if you were not, and you were sort of a commodity job and you treated people like shit and you lost your employees, well, you know, that was coming. It, it just made catalyzed. it bigger.
0: It just highlighted something that was already there, but just made it much, much bigger.
1: Exactly. And so now if you think of like the supply demand kind of thing, the supply for jobs, uh, well, I guess it depends. The demand for jobs, is much higher than the supply so the buying power is with the employee the employer is uh you know in trouble and what's going to happen is stuff employees are going to get more expensive goods are going to get more expensive and they're going to keep doing this dance for the next little bit and it'll be interesting to see how it levels out um something's got to give somewhere i don't know where or when it's going to give
0: and i think i think automation's the interesting part of this because i think what's happened now is that you've got a lot of um, you know problems in terms of employment because i was watching a sort of sort of bit of a TEDx, ted talk the other day talking about and it's something that's happening a lot is the population itself is decreasing in in, in new babies being born and stuff like that so the older population like say from our, sort of our range you know in 10 20 30 years time we won't be working and there won't be anywhere near as many people working in this in you know that situation so they're gonna have to you know ultimately have to automate and I think that the challenge then is once a once a business is automated then there's no way back from that like the car industry is a good example of that you know Amazon's probably a good example of that too where they're automating as much as possible Um, and so I think that's a danger for a lot of people is that they don't build in automation if they don't think that their business their business is sort of like gonna last forever when the reality is automation could replace them tomorrow that's a that's a big risk and and an opportunity in some respects as well obviously as a business owner if you can automate stuff you can oh yeah money
1: i I believe you should be well in some senses automate as much as you can from a process standpoint on another standpoint like low value jobs are gonna get like a burger flipper you know Mm -hmm. why not have a robot do that and then the challenge for young people is are you building skills to be successful in the future economy not just today's economy Mm. um Yes. And then, you know, I I have no idea what's going to happen in 20 years. I could, if you give me more time, I'd be able to think it
0: out. (laughs) Think it out. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, I think most of the time it's obvious though, when you're looking around, like when you start looking around at businesses and you realize what they're doing, I think it's, it's obvious where, where it's going. And the biggest down problem is if you don't have that skill set, you're going to have trouble getting another job because you know, you have to almost retrain. Um, Again, I was reading this book about it It said that um, they reckon that in the next fifty years, that people will have to completely retrain every ten years for a completely different job. Mm-hmm. So they might move from being a, a, a um, you know a car mechanic to a drone engineer, or something like yeah. that, because they're going to have to go completely to another job and they have to reskill and start all over again. And yeah. I think the really nice thing about entrepreneurship is that you get to set your own you know playing field. You can do whatever you like, change it. You know, if your business wants to take a whole new direction, that's no problem. It's it's what happens inside your own business. You can just change it. I think that's as
1: long as you're willing to change it, because some yes. people are, you know, uh, and then the automation thing is, again, a tool that human beings will leverage, hopefully robots won't fully outsource human beings in mm. our lifetime. Um, but yes, the retraining thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, hey, I, you know, like older people, if you're not internet savvy, if you're not zoom savvy, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it's a tough world. And I and I try to be empathetic. To people who are in a position where they need to be retrained or they don't have those skills, that Mm -hmm. for somebody in my generation who grew up with and without the internet, that like it came naturally. Um, But, you know, it's going to be interesting for the next couple of groups of people.
0: And I think the biggest problem there is that you've got a situation where, you know, this, like we treat technology we call it technology when it was, because it was invented in our lifetime but the reality is that younger generation it's just stuff <laughs> right it's not, they're not scared of it and I think and and I you get a lot of people say to you oh you know I don't I don't handle technology can't do it you know don't understand and I was thinking well that's really just kind of a cop-out to a degree you if you really wanted to know you would um doesn't mean you have to be great at it but I think at the end of the day I think you know one of the wise Employees to have sales guys to say he said only dead people can't mm. <laughs> and and i think you know at the end of the day you can do it and you, and you see that that older generation and i think that older generation uh has the time to learn that stuff as opposed to a, to, to people who've got a job and not a, you know like an older person you know like my father-in-law he was you know he didn't really know much about computers but you know he was in his 80s and he he, he did spend a lot of time on it because he had time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: right well and the willingness if yeah. you're unwilling, it doesn't matter how much time you have, which applies whether you're 20 or 80. Yeah, exactly. 20 <laughs> yeah. and unwilling, you could be 80 yeah. and willing, you know, and the same with any entrepreneur. The the stubborn ones are the ones that die because mm. they're not willing to change. Mm. example I use in, in planning is, you know, Blockbuster and Netflix were in the same business. Mm. Blockbuster mm. was resistant to technology. Netflix was not. Well, you know what happens. So The future is those for those who created. I'm sure that's a quote by somebody that wasn't me. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I I am contemplating TikTok for my business because the algorithm is so good. Mm. You know, I don't have to like it, but as a tool, I'm like, damn, I'm going to get like I could get in front of hundreds of millions of people like real easy. They're right there.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's the challenge. Like you know, at the end of the day, I think you've got to look at it, this sort of stuff as a tool. Not not don't fall in love with it because you could end up, um, you know, getting really stuffed up because you're starting to, you know, you're thinking about the good stuff and you look at, hey, oh, that's a great tool for, for communication. It's actually interesting with um, Blockbuster and Netflix. Apparently, Blockbuster in the eleventh hour, when Netflix would uh, they would they just about finished Netflix off, Blockbuster decided to go back into retail and shut down their website and and focus back on retail at the in the death that they almost finished netflix off netflix was just about out the back door and then at the last minute they put on a new ceo that switched back to retail he thought that was the future and and that what that's what turned the tables on netflix so they can actually get back on track so famous last words yeah and so i think um because the guy was in retail and that's what he knew so that's what he stuck with so i think um yeah so i really appreciate your time i think we could probably talk hours on strategy and ideas and a bit i think to me, the, the the lesson here is that you've got to be open to opportunity and look around and then kind of figure out a way that you could take part of that in, in a more strategic way. And I think the more thinking time you spend on on stuff is better for you than, than anything in small business. I think you know that's the biggest commodity that people think is I don't have time, but it's time well spent.
1: Uh, one of the things just as we finish up, thank you by the way, it's been awesome chatting and uh, talking about the method and where I'd invite your listeners to look is the outcome. Mm-hmm. Like don't get stuck on the how. This CEO's hubris was retail because that's what he knew. Mm. and and maybe that was you know maybe he could have been right saying hey the how is we want to become a big retail chain well that was just not a good bet and that was the choice they made but Mm. don't get stuck on the method and focus on the outcome if you're outcome focused you'll have better results you'll be more creative in your problem solving because you're not going to get stuck in the mud you're going to look up and say hey there's a million ways on how i could do this what is the what what why am i doing it in the first place
0: Mm -hmm. i think that's very important yeah so um if someone wants to get hold of you, I think you'd, I think you'd SME. Um, what is it? smestrategy.net? net.
1: Yeah, smestrategy.net, dot uh, Anthony C Taylor on most of the internet. Uh, LinkedIn is my preferred way to stay connected for professionals out there. Um, and then we have our own podcast, the strategy and leadership podcast different than yours. Actually. I really like yours, John. Well, not just because I'm a guest and I'm a host on the other
0: one, uh, because <laughs> it's, it's easy a being a guest world. sometimes. Cause you don't have to have to worry about all the tech stuff.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. You know, we're, we're in it, but no, it's been honestly really a blast, but yeah, happy to connect with any of your listeners. Uh, we've got tons of free downloads online. Um, and we talk about strategy and leadership as well. So, um, Yeah, connect, say what's
0: up. We'll put all those links up there for any listeners that want to come to the website and have a look. So we also have a video version and audio version, so it's really cool. So thanks so much for your time, Anthony, and and maybe we'll talk to you again in 10 years to work out what happened with your plan.
1: (laughs) I better get going if I'm going to be held accountable. Pressure's on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
0: That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nepernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.